opinions expressed in this podcast are individual and are not necessarily representative of Spirit Live or Toronto Metropolitan University. Thank you for listening. It is a brand new week, which means, luckily for you, a new episode of Rock the Boat. I'm Liam Boatsmith, the host of the Rock the Boat podcast, and this is being recorded on November 5th. In store for you today, I have my early season thoughts on Victor Weminyama, what to make of the Memphis Grizzlies 0-6 start, and then are the Vancouver Canucks for real? Along with these main topics, of course, we have our special segments, Walk the Plank and Sink or Swim, so stay tuned to find out what those are all about later on. Victor Wembenyama is living up to the hype. Now, the term unicorn, I think it's brought up and passed around too much over the last five to seven years. Anyone who's like 6'10 or taller and can dribble and shoot has gotten the unicorn moniker while people ignore obvious flaws in their game. In reality, the unicorn term should be reserved for truly generational talents. You know, guys like Kevin Durant with his size, handle, and shot making, or Giannis's power and agility. Like These are the true unicorns in the NBA, and I mean, Wemby certainly belongs in that category. Even just, just six games into his rookie year, he's proving that he may have even created a class of his own, fully embodying the alien player type that LeBron coined for him last year in a press conference. He makes like five or six plays a night where you just stop and say, whoa, you kind of grab your couch and you're like, hold on. A lot of the stuff he does just really has that effect on you. I mean, he's had a couple alley-oop tip-ins with his back completely to the basket that just highlight his absurd body control at that size. He's like 7'3". He looks enormous, like a 2K my player, build a player, whatever it's called. And I mean, you can see it. Offense defense I mean on the defensive end he's been ad- as advertised he's already averaging 2.2 blocks a game 1.4 steals the range he covers on that end is just absolutely absurd he's he's blocking shots that opponents are thinking have absolutely no shot at being rejected and he gets his hands on balls that quite frankly no one else in the league can the highlight of the season so far for him was his 38 and 10 performance against the Phoenix Suns in a Spurs win In the game, he shot 58% from the field, including going 3 of 6 from 3, and had a team-high plus-minus of 21. The Spurs were up big most of the game, but the Suns made a big comeback in the fourth quarter, and Wemby was just absolutely unfazed. I mean, as a rookie playing on the same court against Devin Booker, Kevin Durant, he didn't seem to care. He completely took over the game when the Suns got close, and pretty much single-handedly won it for the Spurs in the late fourth quarter. So, I mean, anyone who was thinking this guy was going to be a bust or anyone who compared him to the likes of Bull Bull, Shaq, they've just got to be shaking in their boots right now because he's been unbelievable and will continue to be so for the rest of the season. I can't even lie. I can't hold back my excitement. I am all in on the Victor Wembanyama hype train. Is it time to panic if you are a Memphis Grizzlies fan? Tough question. 0-6. The last team in the entire NBA without a win this season is the Memphis Grizzlies. 0-6. They have lost to the Washington Wizards, Utah Jazz, Portland Trailblazers. I mean, it's not like they face this absolute gauntlet of a schedule. Yes, they've played Denver. Yes, I think they lost to Dallas. But the, the three teams I named before that, they're bottom feeders. 
they've just, quite frankly, they've been really, really bad. Now, if I was a Memphis fan, you know, I wouldn't quite hit the panic button yet. I would definitely be hovering over it, don't get me wrong. Because, you know, if this doesn't get turned around quick, they're going to find themselves at 7, seven and 18, 8 and 17 by the time Jaw gets back from his 25-game suspension. And at that point, the road into the playoffs with how loaded I think the West is would be extremely difficult. You know, they're going to have to get to probably 42, 45-ish wins. That's probably the cutoff in the West this year because of how loaded the conference is. And with a start like that, even if they go, you know, 10 and 10 over their next 10, they're still at 10 and 16. And that's a tough road to climb to make the playoffs from there. As for the team right now, they're struggling mightily to score the ball. Their points per game is 23rd in the league. Their field goal percentage is all the way at 28th. And Desmond Bain is their only consistent threat to create a bucket for himself or for others. And he's a solid, solid player. I really like Desmond Bain. But as your number one scorer, it's just a step above what his true role should be. A similar sentiment for Jaron Jackson Jr., who's putting up solid numbers, but just isn't a number two offensive engine on a competitive team. And that's what he's being forced to do with jaw out. More surprisingly, even than their offense, is their defense that's underachieved massively. They have the two reigning defensive players of the year in Marcus Smart and Jaron Jackson Jr., and they've only been able to muster up the league's 18th best defensive rating. And it's not like the other guys on the floor playing with those two are pylons. You know, Desmond Bain and Zaire Williams, they're solid defenders. The defense, it's been inexplicably bad. Obviously, these guys have the big trump card of, oh, once Jaw is back, once Jaw is back. But you need to at least be able to stay afloat without him and give him a chance to lead you to the playoff when he returns. Because if he comes back to a sinking ship, he may not be able to save it when he's simultaneously trying to work off rust and deal with his personal life. Grizzlies fans, don't completely panic yet, but it is certainly fair to be alarmed. Walk the Plank is back this week. We've got an NBA player, an NFL team, and sort of the NBA as a whole that are going to walk the plank. Now, this is also the second week in a row that we get an honorable mention. Memphis, as I just mentioned, you guys have been horrible and grossly underachieved. So if I hadn't already talked about you for five minutes, I'd be putting you down the plank. The first person to walk the plank this week officially is Julius Randle. Randle is averaging just 13.7 points per game, which is down nearly 12 from his mark of 25.1 a year ago. Put that into the category of numbers that kind of shocked me when I saw it. 25 points per game last year for Randle. I mean, I knew he was good, but I didn't know he was that, that good or didn't know he scored that much. Now, this could just be a slow start. And I mean, lots of good players can have rough starts to the season. So that's not why he's here. Why he's really here is because of what he did in the next first game of the in-season tournament the other day against Milwaukee. Randall, who had 16 points on 25% shooting, 5 of 20, for the game, shrugged and put his arms up in the air, signaling a sort of, you know, like, come on, man, when Jalen Brunson missed a shot to take the lead with 40 seconds left. Brunson had 45 points. Randall had 16. He then proceeded to sulk his way down the court on defense, just kind of walking along, didn't pick up a man, which led to a Dame and one, essentially ending the game and winning it for Milwaukee, pushing the Knicks to two and four. For that, he must walk the plank. Next up on the plank, Seattle Seahawks. Why? 
why did you lose 37 to 3? You are a good team, or at least you're supposed to be a good team. I thought you were a good team. I bet on you to cover the spread. Yes, yes, this one is a little petty of me because I believe in the Seahawks and I bet on them, and they let me down horribly. The Seahawks were outgained 515 yards to 151. They had just six first downs compared to Baltimore's 29. They completed just one third down out of, I think, 12 attempts. So, yes, I'm mad that I lost my bet, but this really is a performance worthy of them walking the plank. Now, last up on the plank for this week is the NBA's in-season tournament courts. So, if I'm being completely honest, I actually don't mind the idea of the courts. and I like that they're being creative and thinking outside of the box, but the execution is just so poor. Like, the colors on some of these courts are just absolutely overbearing, and I can't imagine that it doesn't affect the players at all. Like, the red on red in Chicago, or the bright yellow and blue in Indiana, they just seem distracting. Again, I like the concept, I think having the trophy at center court and in the paint is awesome, but the color choices on these courts just need a lot of work, and as of now, they absolutely have to go. Are the Vancouver Canucks for real? Vancouver Canucks have been stuck in mediocrity for the past number of years, consistently failing to make the playoffs, but not losing enough to get a marquee pick at the top of the draft. And last year, they traded their captain, Bo Horvat, fired their coach, and most expected them to likely be on the edge fighting for a playoff spot this season. But this has been anything but the case. The Canucks have clearly had other ideas. Behind their new head coach, Rick Tockett, They've gotten off to an 8-2-1 start on the season, which is good enough for the third best record in the entire league, trailing only Boston and reigning Stanley Cup champion Vegas Golden Knights. They're being led by Elias Pettersson, who is tied for the league lead in points with 20, and newly appointed captain Quinn Hughes, who has 16, which is tops amongst defensemen in the NHL. They've no doubt been one of the surprises of the season so far in the NHL, as even the biggest of supporters could not have predicted this. But the real question is, is what they're doing sustainable? A couple of underlying numbers point to maybe not. The Canucks are number one in the league in terms of goals per game at 4.36, which is a, a massive number. But they're all the way at 27th in the league when it comes to shots on goal and have the league's highest shooting percentage. Yes, they could just be picking their spots. However, more than likely, they've gotten some luck and their shooting percentage will likely come back down to earth. Still, with their offensive talent and the deadly power play, they could certainly stay near the leaders in goals for in the NHL. Now, defensively is where the team has improved the most from last season. They were amongst the league's worst in terms of goals per game last year and are currently in second this year with just two goals allowed per game, obviously. They're 13th in shots on goal allowed, but starter Thatcher Demko has played lights out and is making an early case for the Vezina Trophy. Demko, when healthy, has been great in the past, so I mean, trusting him to carry this form throughout the season, barring any injuries, doesn't seem all that crazy. So, their offense, you can maybe expect to fall a little, 4.36, I don't know if they'll sustain that throughout the whole season. The defense, I tend to believe in Demko, I'm still not sure about the decor as a whole, but let's say that that hovers in, in a similar vicinity. Are the Canucks really the third best team in the NHL? Probably not. Are they far better than most anticipated? And do they have the capability to make a deep playoff run? Absolutely. Canucks fans, I'm one of you. 
be excited for the season. It is time for Sink or Swim. This week's edition is NBA teams with unexpected starts. Now, I'm going to start with the overperformers. Halfway through, I'm going to go to the underachievers. All right, first overperformer, the Orlando Magic, who are 4-2 and two to start the season. Now, unfortunately, any Magic fans, I am saying sink on this. I still think they're a year or two away. Paolo and Franz are great, but I just don't think they have a shooting as a whole on the team. You know, the guard play is still, it's solid, but they just don't have the spacing from the guards, in my opinion. You know, they've got Fultz. Jalen Suggs still hasn't really figured it out from three. Cole Anthony's a nice piece off the bench. Anthony Black, the rookie, he's not known for his shooting. So the Magic, good story. I think they're going to be good in a couple years, but I still think this season isn't quite their time. Up next, the Atlanta Hawks. Also 4-2, and two, but for the Hawks, I am going to say swim. I think Quinn Snyder is a great head coach. I think he'll be able to maximize the talent on this team of which there is a decent amount. It's a really solid roster. And especially with Jalen Johnson's breakout start to the season as a legit wing threat, and then, you know, the guard play with Trey Young, DeJounte Murray, I think they'll have a solid season, comfortably make the playoffs. I'll say top six seed in the East. How about that? Atlanta Hawks, swim. The San Antonio Spurs. They are 3-3, three and three, and I'll, I think they'll swim compared to expectations at the beginning of the season. So many predicted the Spurs would be one of the league's worst teams. It's evident that they're not. Wemby is special. The talent around him is solid. I I think the Spurs can keep this up and finish as a team that's hovering around 500. Now, for the underachievers. Memphis, obviously already talked about them at 0-6. I have sync. I just think the record when Jaw returns is going to be too much for him to turn around. You know, I really expect them, honestly, to be somewhere in that like I said earlier, 7, 18, 8, and 17 range. And I just think in the West, that's too much to overcome. The New York Knicks, swim. I'm going to take swim. They started 2-4, and four, but I'm honestly not all that worried about them. Brunson has been terrific. And if Randall, who I kind of clowned earlier, if he can even find half the game that he had last season, they should be A-OK. The Heat, I'm taking swim as well. To be honest, I just I believe in the Heat. I don't really want to be the guy that bets against them and looks stupid again. I've done it a couple times. So, Heat, swim. Last but not least, the Sacramento Kings. The Kings have started the season 2-3. and three. They finished last year as the 3 seed in the West. For them, I'm going to take Sink. This doesn't mean I'm, I'm choosing them to miss the playoffs or anything, though. I think they're definitely going to get better from where they are now as they're sitting, you know, in the bottom half of the standings, but I don't think they're going to get back to that three seed that they were last season. I see them more of a, as more of a six to eight seed in the West. And I think, you know, compared to a lot of the Kings hype that was going on in the off season and kind of carry over from last regular season, that's probably a bit of an underachievement for them. So according to the rules of the game, that means I have them sinking. But Kings fans, don't come for me. I still have them in the playoffs. That marks the end of episode three of Rock the Boat. I'm your host, Liam Boatsmith. Thank you all for listening, and tune in next week.